Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to 86 Giving a Shit. If you follow me, thank you. If you don't, go fuck yourself. Um, this is a podcast by a person that's been in the restaurant industry, per both front of house and back of house. And I'm just talking shit. Trying to maybe give some insight to newbies and oldies that have been doing things the same way in and out. Maybe just see a different light of things. Make someone's life easier or harder or both. Um, somebody asked me recently if I post any food or recipes on this because I am a chef and I am in the back of the house and I haven't, um, but I will. I'll give you a short lesson right now in uh, the fundamentals of cooking. Since we went over fundamentals before, you should know at least the fundamentals of something if you want to get into it or talk shit about it with someone that might know what they're talking about. Let's talk it this way. Cooking is very easy. There's a very couple basic principles that if you follow you could pretty much succeed every time um the first thing i have to tell anyone that's beginning or doesn't know anything about cooking is start small don't go for like this crazy don't go for like a a torsion a foie gras torsion for your first uh, attempt at cooking because that's probably gonna backfire and you're just gonna have duck fat everywhere it's gross but um let's start with something like a steak a protein a piece of fish a chicken piece of chicken an airline breast of chicken which is just the breast with the wing bone in right or steak or if you're a vegetarian or vegan nobody's perfect but even for you guys we'll do like the the beyond meat or tofu all right now when you cook a steak all right first of all there's there's three types of cooking two types really there's cooking by extraction and cooking by concentration Extraction is when you extract the flavor, the protein, everything out of the thing you're cooking into the sauce that you're cooking it in. For example, chicken soup. So when you eat the chicken in chicken soup, it's not really too flavorful because it's already all kind of escaped into the delicious, delicious broth. And that's cooking by extraction. Cooking by concentration is taking that same chicken breast and instead of boiling it with vegetables, you sear it on a grill or on a um, saute pan. You know, that way you're concentrating the flavors inside, thus cooking by uh, concentration. Yeah. So let's start with concentration first. If you're cooking a steak, a piece of chicken or a piece of fish in your house and you don't have a diesel vacuum, like the the, the ventilation system, your smoke alarm is going to ring. And if your smoke alarm doesn't ring, it's because you're not cooking it properly. Um, because the way to cook by concentration is to literally sear in the flavor. Now, searing is sauteing. Sauteing is high heat and low fat. Okay? So if you have a saute pan and it's screaming hot and you pour half of the bottle of oil in there, you're frying. You're not sauteing anymore. Which is also cooking by um, concentration, but it's a different form. There's things you fry, there's things you saute. Every, you can fry anything, by the way. It's, it's great. But sauteing takes a little bit more finesse. So high heat, low fat. How do you know when my pan's too hot, Dimitri? Well, you test it. If you have a electrical oven or a hot plate, it's pretty much got two temperatures, inferno and then nothing. So the way to cook with an electric stove is to turn it on to full blast. Let the pan get, get hot, like to the point where it starts smoking. Now, maybe before the pan, the dry pan starts smoking, you put a little splash, one teaspoon of oil in there. And once you see the oil kind of start to separate and like be more liquid, 
as funny as it sounds, that's when you're almost ready. As soon as you see the first puff of smoke, you're ready to go. Turn your electrical oven off completely, leaving the saute pan on the place or the plate. Then you put your protein down. Do I move it, Dimitri? No, you don't move it. Leave it there. Don't fucking touch it. Walk away. Go take a shower. The oven's off. It's not gonna. It's still gonna be hot. It's gonna retain heat, but it's not going to burn it because now it's going to go down. All right. It might burn it if it's really too hot, but you'll see. If you really want to test it, throw a piece of butter next to the protein, and if the butter starts spinning around and turning black, it's too hot. But what's gonna happen is the heat's gonna go down gradually, and your protein, which you've lowered into the pan will take the temperature down drastically so it won't burn it won't burn because there won't be no additional heat there will be smoke though that's what i'm talking about the air the smoke alarm right and when you're back you could take that protein out do it again with the other side it takes a little bit longer than um in the restaurant but hey at least you're going to cook properly right now when it comes to bacon and the reason why people fail at cooking bacon a lot, and it's smoky everywhere and the bacon's not good and it's burnt, is because they're not cooking it the right way. You do not do that with bacon. With bacon, you take a cold pan and cold bacon, and you put the cold bacon in the cold pan, and you turn the heat up medium, maybe even low. The more time you have, the better. The slower it is, the slower the fat of the bacon will render out, and the bacon will cook essentially its own fat, never burning and always being crisp and nice and beautiful and brown. In a saute pan, right? Yeah, crazy, right? So by sauteing, you're searing in the flavor. The one thing you don't want to do is put too much protein into the pan because it's going to lower the temperature so much that it's going to go back to a cold pan and you're just going to be steaming. And it's not going to have the beautiful color around it. Think about the size of your fist, all right? Times three. So your fist in a triangle, one, two, three fists, that is how big your pan should be for one fist of cooking. So, for example, one chicken breast, you would probably have a pan that's three chicken breasts in a triangle formed next to each other. That's what you want. All right? That's searing. Cooking by concentration. Always season. Even if it's not with pepper, just season with salt. Please, for the love of God, season with salt. Before you cook, try, try to do it before because it really locks in the flavor that way. If you forget and you do it after, that's cool too. But just at least don't forget the salt. Yes, you can salt your eggs. Yes, you can salt your fucking eggs. It's amazing. Don't do it too much before because it'll break, it'll denature the proteins, but you can season your eggs right as they're ready to scramble. All right, that's searing. We're going to go into deglazing next, and then uh, we'll see where he takes it from there. No call-outs yet. It's Friday morning, but it is only like 7 a.m. Did, uh, started doing by cooking with concentration and searing. And we're going to go to deglazing. Deglazing usually comes during or after searing. What that means is very simple. A lot of times when people cook and they sear something like a bunch of chicken thighs, for instance, they do it correctly and then they take the pan when they're done and they throw it in the sink. That's a crime. A bunch of French people are really mad somewhere that this is happening. Like, like really mad, like upset. You know, sacre c'est la merde, c'est pas le French call it suc, 
And it doesn't mean suck. And it doesn't mean whatever. It just means suck. It means like the juice, the jam, the mama jam and the mojo. So when you're done searing, if you did it right and everything is not a singeing ember, you'll have this brown, dark brown residue on the bottom of your pan, especially with chicken thighs. I picked those for a reason. So if you have this, this, this brown residue on the bottom of the pan, and most people throw it in the sink, and they're like, oh my God, this is so annoying, I have to scrub this pan. Yeah, because one, you should have used that, and two, you're an idiot, right? So when you have a pan, just soak it in water, put water in it, a little bit of soap, and let it sit. Then take the water out, put just soap, don't put water, because grease and water don't mix. But soap takes off grease. So if you have zero water and you put soap on your grease, it'll come off quicker than if you put water. Got me? But don't even do that. So you have your pan, you're done with your chicken, you've seared them, putting them in the oven, whatever. And you got this like brown stuff, right? That's called sick. It's the essence and the flavor of everything you just cooked, essentially, is on there on that pan. And you have to pick it up somehow. The way to pick it up is to deglaze. Deglazing is pretty much to a hot pan, adding something cooler which will mix with the souk, and then it will make a sauce. That is the fundamentals of French cooking, is to use the residue of what you cooked to make a sauce accompanying what you cooked. And why not? Obviously, why wouldn't I make a sauce for chicken that is out of chicken? Duh. So usually you deglaze with something alcoholic or an aromatic. So you could do it with a stock too if you don't drink alcohol or just water, really. But usually I like to use alcohol. So say for instance you did some chicken thighs and we're gonna go Italian today. We're gonna put those chicken thighs with, I don't know, some pasta or some some tabib with some tomatoes or whatever, right? <clears throat> so you wanna deglaze this with something alcoholic. You could use red wine. You can use beer. Beer's a great one. You could use white wine. That's a good go-to for anything, white wine, even steak. You can use a little bit of vinegar, but not too much. All right, but the best thing is usually wine. So what you do is after you're done searing and your pan's not like you know smoking anymore, but it's still hot, enough to where you pour the wine and it just goes There's the bubble like that. Again, you turn the heat off if you have an electrical stove and if you have a gas stove, you just turn it down. The alcohol will burn out, leaving just the good stuff from the wine combined with the chicken jus or the souk inside. Then you use a wooden spoon or rubber spatula and you gently scrape the bottom of the pan, detaching the souk that's mixed with the wine off the bottom of the pan. As the wine cooks off or reduces, you will have a more concentrated flavor. Then at the end, and then wow, well, when's the end, Dimitri? And how much wine do I use? Well, it depends on how much chicken you cooked. I would say for every chicken thigh, you would use a tablespoon of wine. So if you cook 20 chicken thighs, you would use 20 tablespoons of wine. All right, so after that, it cooks down and it's off the heat, but it's no longer, it's still hot, but no longer bubbling. You take a piece of butter. Well, how much butter? Jesus Christ, man. To your regular quarter block of butter, you use an inch by an inch cube for every two chicken thighs. So half an inch of cube of butter for every chicken thigh. You throw it at the end. So you got your souk, you throw the wine, it bubbles, take it off the heat, it stops bubbling, it reduces by about half. But it reduces by half, it gets twice as small. All right, you throw the butter in there, boop, and you just leave it. And let the butter melt slowly. 
into what you've got going on there. Taste it, because it'll probably need salt. Season it, and that is the most basic way to pick up suc or just deglaze and then make it into a sauce. It's gonna be mostly fat, obviously because of the butter and the wine, but it's gonna be delicious. All right, now if you wanna get fancy pants, you could throw a little bit of herbs in there, other aromatics, like a bouquet garni. What's a bouquet garni? A bouquet garni is cheesecloth or a coffee filter that has peppercorns, bay leaf, garlic, and thyme in it. But those could be anything. Garlic could be shallot, bay leaf could be basil, whatever. But a bouquet garni is something that makes, adds aromatics, which is aroma and flavor, on top of the wine, the butter, and the chicken. So if you're making a rosemary chicken, I would put tarragon. No, you idiot. You would put rosemary in the fucking soup. You know what I mean? If you're making a tarragon chicken, you put tarragon in the soup. Start slow. Don't be a hero. Don't fuck around too much. Keep it simple. Oftentimes, the simplest things are the most delicious things in cooking. In fact, Italy doesn't even cook their shit. The whole pride of Italian cooking is they let their vegetables speak for themselves. They don't cook it for 13 hours in a pot. They just cut it off of the tree or the garden, blanch it a little bit, and we'll get into that. And then uh, serve it. A little bit of salt, some olive oil, good olive oil. That's it. Simple. Um, Yeah, so that's deglazing. searing and deglazing i mentioned something about blanching so everyone's probably like what's blanching you said we're gonna go over it later yes we'll go over it now blanching is boiling vegetables that's it simple as that but why is it called blanching not boiling very good question alfred because blanching requires you to stop the cooking process to preserve the color and the texture of the vegetable blanching is usually for vegetables green things you don't blanch a chicken breast you could, but you don't. It's not really that. Let's think about broccoli. Simple vegetable. People like broccoli. Have you ever noticed that when you go to a restaurant, if you go to restaurants and they're nice, and if the cooks did their job right, the broccoli is cooked, but it's vibrant green. And then when you make it at home, it's all brown and gross and weird. It's because you were boiling and they're blanching. Blanching, all it is, simple as this, is cooking until it turns green and stopping or halting the cooking process. How do I stop the cooking process? I turn the oven off and it turns off. That's stopping, huh? No. When you turn the oven off, even if you take the broccoli out of the water, right, it's still hot as fuck. You'll burn your hands. That means it's still continuing to cook, right? Because it's got heat on the inside and that residual heat will continue cooking, breaking down the cell walls, killing the chlorophyll, Borophyll and all kinds of other fills, and then you're gonna get shitty broccoli that looks like crap. All you need to do is take ice, mix it with water, and dunk your vegetable into said ice water bath when they've turned the appropriate color that you want. That's it. The other thing is is using the right amount of water for how many vegetables you're blanching. Because if you're using a cup of broccoli, or a small, let's just do two cups of broccoli. If you order a small wonton soup from a Chinese store, it comes in a small container, and you order the big one, it comes in a big container. The big container is a quart, small container is a pint. 
If you're blanching a pint of broccoli, you're gonna need about a gallon of water. For the same reason as you don't put too many things in a saute pan, you're gonna lower the temperature of the water. And you're gonna season the shit out of that water, like it's ocean water. So then when you blanch your broccoli, one, salt lowers the temperature of the freezing point, and it heightens the temperature of the boiling point simultaneously. So when you put your salt on your ice, and it melts the ice, it's not melting the ice, it's lowering the temperature point, lowering the freezing point of the ice, of the water, turning it back into its liquid state. Same thing when you put it in hot water, or any water, and then you heat it up, it raises the boiling point. So it'll boil not at 212, but it'll boil at like 220 or something. You know what I mean? So season the water, use enough water for the amount you're cooking, and then same thing with the ice water. You have just as much ice water as you do hot water, you dumbass, because if you put one ice cube, it's not gonna cool anything down. Once the broccoli gets nice and vibrant green, you take it out, put it in the ice water. Once it's cool in the ice water, do I season the ice water? You could, but you don't have to if you season the hot water. Okay, okay. So then you take it and you take it out of the ice water when it's completely cool, then you put it in the fridge or serve it, put it aside for later. It'll stay green for a while and it'll be like 50% cooked. But then you saute some garlic, you throw the broccoli with the garlic, but it's not gonna turn brown. It will turn brown if you cook it like an idiot. Or, but at this point, you have to realize that it's halfway cooked. So all you're really doing is heating it up. But I don't like crunchy broccoli, I like smushy broccoli. Well, then there's probably no helping you and it's going to be brown and crap. And whoever taught you to eat broccoli didn't know what blanching is. But that is, that's what it is, blanching. Spinach, green beans, parsley, broccoli, anything green. Obviously, if you're, if you're blanching parsley, it's going to take you way quicker than broccoli and way quicker than broccoli, rob, or asparagus because it's a fucking leaf. So you just got to dip it real quick. Why am I blanching parsley? We'll get into that later when we get the sauces. Cooking um, well involves skill, technique, practice, but it also involves your senses, obviously, because you gotta eat the shit, right? <laughs> but it's not just eating, it's smelling. The sense of smell is perhaps more important than the sense of taste, because if you didn't have the sense of smell, all you'd be able to taste is sweet, sour, salt, and uh, bitter. So you don't know what's in it, you would just know that it's bitter, know that it's sweet, know that it's salty. Think about it when you have a cold, and you could taste that it's salty, but you don't know what the fuck you're eating. You don't know if it's a scallop, an oyster, or someone's booger, you know? Sorry. <clears throat> anyway, the human brain, the average human brain, could remember and recall around 50,000 cents. 50,000, everybody, the average Joe, you just don't know it, but you can remember it. Like the smell of right after it rains, or the smell of the oil they use on the railroad tracks, or um, the smell of a rose, the smell of a nice, delicious green nugget of fucking gelato. Oh, you know, you could smell the difference between pot being smoked and just fresh pot, all right? So all those things are different. So when you're walking around and you're hungry next time and you smell, oh my God, Janet. That smells so fucking good, I'm starving. Think about it, just stop. 
Stop what you're doing. Tell Janet to hold her horses. Stay there for 30 seconds. Close your eyes and see if you can detect what the smell is. Nine times out of ten, if you're walking through a street, there'll be onions or some kind of beef or barbecue if it's the summer. Everyone knows what a barbecue smells like, right? Because everyone knows what a barbecue smells like. It's usually lighter fluid. Right? But a real barbecue should smell like wood and pork. So if you train yourself, and all you have to do by training yourself is every time you smell something, you just stop and you think about what you're smelling. And if you can try to guess it, say it out loud too. It helps if you say it out loud because you're like making it real almost to yourself. If you're zero, zero success on that, next time you're cooking, close your eyes or go outside for a while. You breathe some fresh air and upon walking back in, close your eyes and smell. Now, you know if you've been cooking garlic or not because you've been cooking it, right? Hopefully. So that's how you detect. And you remember. You'll get to a point, if you practice well enough, you'll get to a point where you could pick out a lot of ingredients if someone's cooking something. So I could walk into a house and I could tell you that someone's cooking chicken, mushrooms, and garlic and sherry wine or some kind of a dark wine, but not red. I could, I could smell the sweetness of the sherry in the air. Mushrooms are mushrooms, obviously. Garlic's garlic, chicken's chicken to me but not to the average Joe because I've trained myself to separate and detect different smells, smells, scents. The more you practice that, the better you'll be at pairing flavors together and knowing what goes well with what. Also, you'll be exercising your brain and perhaps realizing that there's a little bit more around you than just, oh my God, Janet, that smells so good. 